Uh, they, they let me back. They let me back. Dave Johnson, welcome you to the DC Sports Hall. I'm dying to get back with my guys, George Wallace, Rob Woodford, Dave Preston, and we have the regular season to talk about the Washington football team uh, trying to avoid going 0-2 against the Giants coming up on Thursday night. We're going to start right with there before we get to Rob Woodford's campaign for Cam Newton, which he so eloquently made the case for on WTLP.com. And I hope you're checking out Dave Preston's grab bag, the Burgundy and Gold grab bag on WTLP.com, and George Wallace's great work on WTLP.com. I'm the only one that's coasting, not doing any work. So this is my big job here. Also, he, said, he says from one of his 14 jobs. <laughs> right. As I talk to you from Audi Field, as we get set for DC night. Uh, real quick, this Washington football team, it's the last time that I make a, a prediction uh, while drinking IPAs because I had Washington going to the playoffs <laughs> and with a, with a winning record. For 20-some years, I've said 8-8 eight and eight when it was a 16-game season, and it's all based on the health and success of the offensive line. After week one, I'm thinking no more IPAs. I should stick with eight and nine or nine and eight because bottom line is there, there's so many factors here, but whoever the quarterback is, it's not going to matter unless that offensive line plays better starting in week two against the Giants. Ron Rivera said at times Taylor Heineke plays like his hair is on fire. Well, there was at times he had to play like his hair was on fire. That is my case. Better offensive line Tuesday or Thursday, rather, against the Giants. Rob Woodfork, we'll start with you. Well, uh, I, I, you know, I've been watching the offensive line, but that's not my my biggest issue. I think that defense has been so hyped over the course of the offseason, uh, both locally and nationally, and they were a complete no-show in that game. How you go 14 of 19 on uh, third down is just – incomprehensible to me. So uh, you got to be able to get off the field on third down. You do that against the Giants, you can just forget about it. So um, they're going to need to uh, get off the field on third down. They're going to have to, on offense, sustain drives. And, uh, and, and we're about to find out who Taylor Heineke is. And, uh, and I, think, uh, I think you guys will appreciate this uh, comparison I had in my Monday night sportscast was uh, when I heard Ron Rivera say, we're going to rally around Taylor Heineke. Immediately in my mind, I could hear Dick Vermeil tearfully saying, you know, with the Rams back in 99, saying, we're going to rally around Kurt Warner and we're going to play good football. And everybody laughed and was like, yeah, this guy was bagging groceries a week ago. And now you're talking about this guy leading your team. That's hilarious. They end up going to the Super Bowl. And, uh, and I noted that, uh, Kurt Warner was 28 when that happened. Taylor Heineke is 28, a very similar set of circumstances, and he's got the opportunity to take this job and run with it. I still don't think he's the best man for the job, as I wrote in my column, but he's got the opportunity, and uh, it starts here with the Giants. He's going to have to have a good game here. And he has the respect of his teammates, and that's uh, right. your Terry McLaurin and others talk about. So there's there's definitely something here with, with Taylor Heineke. He is, whether it's Chase Young talking about him or, or Terry McLaurin who's catching passes from him, he's got the respect of his teammates. And also the, the, the glowing way that they talk about him is so similar to Colt McCoy that <laughs> that's, that's just lost on me because Colt McCoy, everybody loved him, but then he got on the field and it was an unmitigated disaster. So okay. uh, hopefully Heineke is better. This is why I was away for two weeks, because you ruined my ego every week, Rob. All right, they, they pressed it your turn. You know, and the, the way that they talked about Taylor Heineke reminded me of when Adam Eaton 
his first season with the Nationals. He brought in a certain infectious excitement, and then he was out for the rest of the year with a knee injury. So you do, you can have that. It's like an enzyme where all of a sudden the offense plays with a little more purpose. All of a sudden there's a little bit more passion out there on the field. There, as always with the burgundy and gold, there are good things and there are bad things. What I liked, Antonio Gibson's emergence, 90 yards rushing this past Sunday. He also had three catches. He's also healthy heading into uh, this upcoming uh, Thursday night game. What I didn't like was the fact that I'm Rob touched upon it, uh, taking care of business on third down. If you combine the third downs offensively and defensively, burgundy and gold made the right play. 8 of 29. You don't win games when you're 8 for 29 and either in moving the chains and in getting off the field. They also beat themselves. Eight penalties for 57 yards, and there were three whistles in a five-play sequence that took them from the 24 to, I think, the 34, and uh, Dustin Hopkins missed a 51-yarder. Is Hopkins the best kicker since the beginning of time? No, but if you let him make a 41-yarder as opposed to a 51-yarder, he's going to convert those. Another thing, we talked a bit about the defense. Bobby McCain tallied 10 tackles, a cornerback. Now, that's nice, but when your defensive backs are making that many stops, it means one of two things. Either your first two levels against the run aren't making the necessary plays, or you're having a lot of completions in your secondary either in front of or behind Bobby McCain. So a couple of burgundy flags, so to speak, heading into this Thursday's game, not even regarding the quarterback. Yeah, I hope the defense is, is better, and I hope it is about uh, Ron Rivera's statement, which I thought was telling when he said it was, it was about uh, one guy trying to do 11 things, not 11 guys trying to do one thing. So you hope there's some merit to that because we thought we had a better defense, and that didn't show 424 yards against the Chargers, all due respect to Justin Herbert. All right, George, you've taken this all in. You've inhaled some of our thoughts. Set us straight. Well, I just saw Juan Soto just hit a sack fly to give the Nats the lead again. So uh, we're just doing it all here on the uh, on the hunter. So, <laughs> well, um, so you're, you're, you're just blocks from me. You're at Nats Park. I, yeah, we're right. Yeah, right over here. Well, Can we over say here. inadvertent bro time? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I got a beer waiting for you at the Heineken rooftop here. <laughs> no more no more IPAs than what we're doing predictions. Um <laughs> look, I, I think to me the biggest the, the biggest concern is you know we, we've touched on the defense, yeah, and, and it's just it baffles me that Ron Rivera would come out and say that he saw so many different guys doing different things and not on the same page. Like that's the stuff that should not happen. The defense you know, yeah, you have some, you basically have an overhauled secondary, overhauled secondary, but it's basically the same defense, front seven. They got the, the, the unit that's supposed to be the strongest for this team. To have mistakes like that in week one and guys not doing the same thing and freelancing a little bit, that to me is disturbing. Now, what that means, does that mean guys were, you know, maybe reading a little too much that this defense is going to be excellent? No. So you've got a Chargers team coming in with a second year quarterback, new coach, you take it for granted a little bit. Maybe, but the fact that they went 645 to grind out then and close out that game is just unacceptable. And Daniel Jones is not going to be a picnic either, guys. I mean, this murderer's row of quarterbacks continues this week. So the defense needs to get straight. Oh, you know what's weird? I'm not worried about Taylor Heineke. They've talked about it all camp long. It's been Fitzpatrick's team. But Heineke, every player, all players talked about, yeah, they talked about Fitz, but then if Heineke has to get in the game, no problems there. They talk about how he kind of has been studying with Fitz, learning and even performing in practices and preseason games. So it's almost as if that's the least of their concerns right now heading into week two as the quarterback. 
Yeah, well, the last time uh, Taylor Heineke started a regular season game, it was in place of Rob's friend Cam Newton back in, in Carolina. <laughs> but he mentioned that he threw three interceptions that time. So I think that that's the key going forward with Taylor Heineke. We know he can freelance. He can improvise. Uh, just don't turn the ball over. And that'll give Washington a chance on Thursday. And, Other and, thoughts? Also, and, and also it's worth pointing out that Daniel Jones is an unmitigated disaster against everybody else in the league, except Washington. He's four and 19. And you know, you know how I feel about giving one loss records to quarterbacks, but his turnovers are shoot through the roof when they play uh, people, not Washington. So four and 19 against the rest of the league, four and zero against Washington the last two seasons they have got to contain him don't let him get outside and uh, basically trip in front of the end zone at the end of a long run like he did last year uh, and and uh, just keep him in the pocket and uh, hopefully Saquon Barkley doesn't go off either because he's had some really big performances against Washington in the past I know he's still trying to come back from the knee injury but uh, that's a guy who's a threat to go the distance anytime he touches it. Other thoughts on Thursday? Dave Preston, nice to get the ball to Terry McLaurin in the first half. But that might, that right. might work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, the offense that this team imagined was uh, one with the guy who's not healthy right now. And when you have Curtis Samuel not playing, that takes this takes us back to last year's offense where you had Terry McLaurin and a bunch of guys. And I think they're going to try to get the ball maybe to Gibson more this week. He's he was impressive out of the backfield. Logan Thomas is a nice story. He's not a great Logan Thomas in a perfect world is a very good second tight end on a good team in our world. He's the first string number one tight end that you're depending on. And I, I think he's going to continue to get better, but it's defenses are going to game plan to stop Terry McLaurin until there's another threat on the other side, whether it's a healthy Curtis Samuel, whether it's one of these other guys emerge and I don't know who to trust because the, the this has been a groin injury that hasn't gone away. And these are other guys who haven't elevated their play despite multiple opportunities. That's the concern I have. Also, for whatever reason, the Giants have had Washington's number over the years. I think they've won five straight and uh, in this series. And there have been some really bad primetime losses by Washington to the Giants. I think there's a swinging gate that gives me nightmares still all these years later. Kirk Cousins, I think, had a disastrous start against them when he was just emerging as a quarterback, uh, taking over for RG3. So it, bad things happen against the Giants. This is a very bad Giants team, but nothing is out of the realm of possibility. And this is a huge game because you go 0-2, even with the 17th game in the regular season, you are behind the eight ball. You have already spent two of your uh, home games in defeat, and you don't play a division game until late in the season. And that is the underrated part of that is you need to have this division game in your back pocket before you have to finish out the season with five straight. If you get to that point and you don't have any division wins, now you have the pressure. You've got to go at least four and one in that uh, stretch toward the end if you have any designs on winning the division. So this takes a little of the pressure off, not just from the standpoint of not starting 0-2, but also not you know, being winless in the division before you go to that uh, late season gauntlet. Because Rob, how honest. about if you go 3-0 and 2? No, no ties. You know how much no I ties? hate ties. You know, I, I, I don't like to wear ties and, and I don't like to witness ties on, on a football field. 
or he, only, or play at ten a, or play at ten a.m. like the like yeah, I'm just gonna say. Do on the West Coast. <laughs> Dave's the only one that brings up ties and time zones. Those, that should be your next column: ties and time zones. <laughs> Along those lines, gentlemen, talk about not reading the tea leaves correctly. I think of the, there were four games involving West Coast teams playing at one p.m. And the only team that won was San Francisco, and they did not cover. So, so glad I don't gamble a lot. Although, look, I will say this, though. That unraveled the Raiders' season last year because they had back-to-back weeks. They played at Atlanta, and they lost that game to the Jets, uh, or or at least they were close to losing that game to the Jets with cover zero. But, uh, you know, the the one o'clock games for the Raiders, that has been brutal for them. So I I think they play another one o'clocker. Uh, this week too so it's something, to watch. it's something to watch for the Raiders I don't know about the rest of the league well it'd be interesting if Las Vegas gets a home field advance like they've gotten in other sports they always say going to Las Vegas Saturday <laughs> night or it's like going to Miami in the NBA that's anyway that's a whole other story George final thoughts on the Giants <laughs> what, what should we look for what's what's got you wringing your hands yeah I think uh, you can't first of all you can't judge Fitzpatrick after a quarter and a half right he's three for six yeah. But you can look at you can look at the way the offense moved with Taylor Heineke. Yes, he's coming off the bench, and it's always you know different for a guy to come off the bench. But let's be honest: is the first, second quarter, quarter and a half of the season, so it's not like it's week seven coming off the bench. But the offense moved; he moved the ball around. He found Logan Thomas. He found Terry McLaurin. He's going to have those weapons at his disposal as well. And look, I mean, the threat of of him getting out of the pocket and moving is also an option. I mean, Fitz, that's just not what Fitz does. So I think you add that element into it. And I think Heineke, look, his story has been a great one over the last year and a half. And he's going into a start now. Granted, they have no practice time this week, just one day, a little walk around the field because you're trying to recover. But he's been in this offense now for almost, you know, since the end of last year, this whole summer, and didn't get the first team reps. But he has good rapport with this receiving uh, uh, receiving core. and good chemistry with this offense. So I, I don't look for the offense to fall off. I really don't. We hadn't seen much of Fitz, and I think he's going to come in and spread the ball around and and get in the end zone. And I, and I do think the defense, you know, these guys, they're not used to, you know, we, we've talked about before, like Jonathan Allen's of the world, Deron Payne, Chase Young, come from programs that are just aren't used to, to losing. So these guys take it personal. They've taken it personal this week. They realized how messed up it was on Sunday to a man. They all say that. So I expected better effort from the defense Thursday. And as you mentioned, Daniel Jones has had their number as well. So they don't want that to happen. I'd like to see two touchdowns. We'll just go from there and see if we need two touchdowns in the game. Go from- <laughs> All right. A final, final moments here and whatever's on our mind. I'll just say, uh, I mentioned the importance of getting a division win. The, the Dak Prescott return in that opening week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was very, very impressive. That answers a big question for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, another team to look out for in the NFC East. Rob? Well, this is the portion that George doesn't like. So if you can just, I mean, I can mute it if if you want, George. But um, I, I, my call. Better mute me. I'm going to be <laughs> muted. So I don't jump in. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote the column on Tuesday about uh, Washington needing to call Cam Newton because here's the thing, guys. Uh, we don't know what we're going to get from Taylor Heineke. And again, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you, there's a lot of parallels there with uh, Kurt Warner. They're both 28. They're both uh, in a situation where the starter goes down in front of them and they have the opportunity to uh, really take control of this offense. Now, the thing about Heineke, though, is 
you know, we see the scrambling and, uh, you know, that's obviously very good. Uh, last season, I said it, he was the only one of the four quarterbacks who uh, appeared to really competently and consistently run that offense. He just doesn't get uh, the offense in the end zone enough. And, uh, and also, I think if you look at the numbers, like, for example, that uh, the playoff game last year, everybody looks at the 300 yards and he adds 46 and all of that is good, but you know, just the one touchdown and he had an interception. I think if, uh, I think because you don't expect him to do well, we're sort of over, uh, overrating what it is that he's doing on the field. So Cam Newton is a uh, proven commodity in this league. And he's a guy who's a former MVP. They have placed all the emphasis on guys having to know the system going in. And Cam Newton knows the system going in. He was on pace to be, uh, he was had a season comparable to his MVP season uh, before he got hurt. Uh, I believe it was the 2018 season when, uh, uh, when Taylor Heineke got in there. So I, I, I would love to see him get another opportunity. It's way too early for him to, to be done. At age 32, we see quarterbacks last since their 40s now. At age 32, uh, he's at the point where John Elway, I'm not comparing the two, but he's at the point where John Elway, sort of the light came on. He had a good team around him, and he ended up being a winner and changed the narrative of his career. I would love to see Cam get that same opportunity, and I feel like Washington is the only place that makes sense for him to do that. And Ron Rivera's comment when asked about Cam Newton was, no, as of now. So that, that left. That's what I'm saying. And, and that's the other aspect of Heineke is we've seen him get banged up. So it's entirely possible, especially considering right. if Washington starts, uh, ends up having to go to Kyle Allen, eventually it would be the fourth straight year. They've had to use at least three different starting quarterbacks. So there is, <laughs> there is a precedent that they're going to have to go outside at some point. And, uh, and nobody's better than, than Cam Newton. I would be really surprised if they go in another direction if uh if it comes to that george what was your stat on number of quarterbacks since what was that 37 what all right so terry mclaurin is playing in his 32nd game thursday it'll be his 10th quarterback 10th 10th quarterback all right that's, that's rough. rough one thing all right your final your fight your final thought george wallace uh i'm you know what i want to talk about how how great that monday night game was that between the Raiders and the Ravens, I mean, and just you're talking about Vegas and the Raiders. I mean, that just looked like a lot of fun. Number one, that atmosphere and just a heck of a football game to wrap up the week and how ratings were up this week in the NFL up 17%. I believe it was uh, from last, from last year, most watched Monday night games since 2013. So I think the excitement is back for the NFL. And I think you're going to see it continue, especially if you have entertaining games like that. I mean, have people tuned in to see, SoFi Stadium with the Rams, and then you saw that Vegas atmosphere. And by the way, anybody wants to go with me in December to Vegas when Washington goes, we can all we can do the huddle on, on site. So let's go. And I'm I'm with that. And and also yeah. it seems like the Ravens are always in these really good Monday nighters because remember they had a crazy one against Cleveland last year where Lamar leaves in the middle of the game, comes back, throws a touchdown. Yeah. So I would say I I would love to set a petition that take Washington off the Monday night slate until further notice. And let's put the Ravens in on Monday nights more often. But all those nice stadiums George mentioned do not have authentic rainwater, which we have in Landover. Dave Preston, your final thought. 
Going to put on the college football hat at this time, Dave. A huge weekend coming up for some of the locals. Navy is off, and that's probably a good thing. As Urban Jasper was fired the offensive coordinator, then he was reinstated as quarterbacks coach. Kenny Amatololo will call plays moving forward. Very un-Navy thing like to happen, because if you, you would think that if one school would respect the chain of command, it would be a military academy. They've got some issues on both sides of the ball that they'll address in a couple of weeks. But what a great weekend coming up. Maryland begins Big Ten play at Illinois. Coach Mike Loxley was an assistant, a coordinator for the Fighting Illini. Helped lead them to the Rose Bowl way back when. Huge game for them on the road. Also, Virginia Tech plays at West Virginia, former Big East foes. That's a noon kickoff. And then Virginia, technically the defending Coastal Division champions, in the ACC, they play preseason favorite North Carolina Saturday evening in Charlottesville. Kippy and Buffy will be enjoying a Pinot Noir from Oregon, the Willamette Valley. We will let you know what that is later this week on Presto's Picks. What a great weekend to watch college football, gentlemen. Look at all that great stuff on WTLP.com. Rob's NFL recap Sunday after every game. You hear some of it Monday morning on my uh, sportscast. Real quick, because I'm here for Valley Field, I give a plug in for the other football soccer. This DC United team is a is a great story because you don't even have to be a soccer fan to appreciate Hernan Lozada's attitude. Vamos Promas. That means always go for more. He presses, he attacks, he doesn't care who they're playing. It's about scoring goals and it's about entertaining. And they're a fun team and they're in a playoff position right now. With that. We close this edition of DC Sports Huddle. In fact, Dave Preston couldn't get wait to get out of here. He, he had enough. <laughs> As always, we appreciate Dave Preston, Bob Woodford, George Wallace, and we appreciate your time. Break.